Hi, and welcome to Crash Course Catholicism, a podcast about Catholic teaching and why it makes sense. I'm your host, Caitlin West. Welcome to episode 37.5. Ooh, it's a bit exciting. We've never had a 0.5 before. Um, so basically, as I said in the last episode, I got to the end of, you know, all of this stuff on euthanasia and abortion. And then I was like, and now let's talk about war. And then I was like, okay, this thematically, this does not hang with the other stuff. We need to talk about it separately, which is why we're doing this little fun, little extra mini sewed situation. Are you welcome? So today we are going to talk about war and peace, uh, not the book, because that is literally the most boring book that anyone has ever written ever. <laughs> Actually, that's not fair. The peace bits of war and peace are lovely. It's just the war bits. Oh my gosh. I'm like 400 pages of talking about horses and some military strategy. And I'm like, I'm literally asleep. Someone make this stop. <laughs> so we're not going to talk about the book today, but we are going to talk about questions like, is there such a thing as a just war and do kind countries have a right to defend themselves and to what extent. So beginning with this question of a just war. So you might remember that in episode 36, we talked about how countries have a legitimate right to defend themselves if they're invaded by someone else, right? So the catechism actually goes on to set some more specific parameters around what actually constitutes a just war. And it's actually really important that we understand what those parameters are, because that term is kind of thrown around a lot these days. Like people will say, oh, this is a just war. And what they actually mean is like, we really want to go to war (laughs) and we believe that we're in the right and that we've got some good reasons for starting a war. But actually the catechism says in point 2309 that the gravity of such a decision to use military force makes it subject to rigorous conditions of moral legitimacy. So in other words, you can't just slap that label of just war onto, onto a war. It actually says that in order for a war to be justified, there are four factors all of which need to be present at one and the same time. So the first is that the damage inflicted by the aggressor must be lasting, grave, and certain. So in other words, you can't just start a war because another country has done something that's a little bit aggressive or, you know, they insult you or you suspect that maybe they're going to invade, right? You actually need to have hard evidence that someone is definitely inflicting or about to inflict serious lasting damage on your country. Secondly, it says, All other means of putting an end to conflict must have been shown to be impractical or ineffective. So in other words, you need to have tried every other possible means of diplomacy, right? War has to be an absolute last resort. It can never just be a knee-jerk reaction. Thirdly, there must be serious prospects of success. So you can't morally justify sending people on like a suicide mission just for the sake of in principle defending your country when you're actually not effectively defending it. And then lastly, and this is a really important one, the use of arms must not produce evils and disorders graver than the evil to be eliminated. And then it goes on to say the power of modern means of destruction weighs very heavily in evaluating this condition. So in other words, 
You can't retaliate with so much force that you do greater evil than the original aggressor would ever have done. So we can think here of things like nuclear bombs, right, or other weapons of mass destruction and how they do such serious damage to civilians as well, right, to innocent people. So if someone was invading your country, even in a situation like that, you cannot justify the use of of weapons that will do more damage than anyone would ever have done to you. So... All four of these factors need to be present. Lasting, grave and certain danger. Everything else has been tried. There's a serious prospect of success and you're not creating greater evils than your aggressor would have. Those are the only conditions under which the church deems a war to be just. Now, the other thing that the catechism reminds us of in point 2312 is that just because there's a war on and you're defending your country, that does not mean that anything goes, right? It says the church and human reason both assert the permanent validity of the moral law during armed conflict. And then in Gaudium et Spes, it says... The mere fact that war has regrettably broken out does not mean that everything becomes licit between the warring parties. So, you know, you hear about situations where it's it's kind of like Lord of the Flies, right? And a war zone becomes this moral no man's land where people are doing things to each other that they would never normally do in everyday life, right? So things like, you know, committing cold-blooded murder or torturing someone or whatever. It's like the moral law has been suspended in those situations. But the catechism reminds us that there's no such thing as the moral law being suspended, right? That no matter what the situation, even in the middle of a war, every human person is still a human person with infinite dignity and should be treated as such. So point 2313 says that non-combatants, wounded soldiers and prisoners must be respected and treated humanely, right? So just because someone is the enemy, that doesn't mean that we have a blank check to just treat them however we like. Okay, and then point 2315 of the Catechism talks about stockpiling weapons. So it says that the accumulation of arms strikes many as a paradoxically suitable way of deterring potential adversaries from war. They see it as the most effective means of ensuring peace among nations. So it's this idea that like if other countries know that we've got some serious weapons and we could like blast them to smithereens, then they won't attack us. So it's like an effective way of defending ourselves. But the catechism goes on to say that this method of deterrence gives rise to strong moral reservations. The arms race does not ensure peace. Far from eliminating the causes of war, it risks aggravating them. Spending enormous sums to produce ever new types of weapons impedes efforts to aid needy populations. It thwarts the development of peoples. Overarmament multiplies reasons for conflict and increases the danger of escalation. Okay, so there's a couple of things in there, so let's unpack them. Firstly, the catechism is talking here about how accumulating arms actually encourages conflict rather than discouraging it. So we can think of it like this. Say that you are a teacher at a school and there's some sort of conflict going on between two social groups, right? Like they've been trading insults and things have been getting pretty nasty. And then one day, one of the kids comes to school carrying a baseball bat And he is insisting, right? He's like, oh, no, I'm not going to use the baseball bat. I'm not going to do anything with it. I just need to carry it around to protect myself in case someone tries to hurt me. And then the next day, 
Two kids from the other social group also rock up at school with baseball bats. And they're also saying the same thing. They're like, no, 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 we're not going to hurt anyone. We're just making sure that this other guy who's got a baseball bat doesn't hit us. And then the next day, three more students come to school with baseball bats and one kid rocks up with a switchblade, right? And they're all walking around the playground with their weapons. Okay, you would probably start to feel a little bit concerned at this point that this is going to spill over into actual violent conflict. And you would be totally justified in telling their kids to get rid of their weapons, right? To drop the baseball bats. So it's the same when it comes to accumulating arms. The more we're all walking around with nuclear weapons, the greater the risk is that conflict will be aggravated and spill over into something really serious. Actually, do you want to know a fun fact? I recently found out that Australia doesn't have any nuclear weapons. I was not aware of that. I was (laughs) literally Googling. I was like, who's got the nuclear codes in Australia? And Google was like, uh, Caitlin, you are a ding dong. <laughs> no one, because we don't have any. So well, that's pretty cool. Australia does not have any nuclear weapons. It's like the, the neutral kid in the playground who's not walking around with a baseball bat. Go Australia. Okay. Now the second thing that this quote from the catechism reminds us is that the more we're focused on accumulating arms, the less we are focused on people, right? On caring for people in need, looking after the cultural, social development of citizens of a country. And the money that we spend on accumulating arms would ultimately be much better spent on the development of peoples, as the Catechism puts it. Okay, cool. Well, that was a fun little quickie. Thanks, guys. This nicely rounds off our discussion of the Fifth Commandment. And actually, what I'm going to do Uh, I'm going to put a list of books in the show notes of this episode, um, because one thing I've noticed is that there are many, I mean, (laughs) as much as I didn't enjoy War and Peace, there are many actually great books that are set during times of war. And I think one of the reasons for that is this is something that my friend always says. She talks about how suffering is like an amplifier that when we suffer, all of our greatest qualities come out of us. And also so do all of our worst qualities. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why war is actually such a fantastic setting for great books, because we see the kind of like raw, like humanity and the complexity of humanity and people doing wonderful things and terrible things. And um, it's a great sort of, um, uh, fictional kind of scenario to explore the human person in. So I'm going to include uh, a few books that you might like to read um, on this topic. So next episode, we're going to start talking about the sixth commandment. Yay. Um, Have a great week and I'll talk to you later. Bye.